My name's Buffalo Bill and you're listening to The Bike Show on Resonance FM. This is Resonance 104.4 FM. My name's Jack Thurston. This is The Bike Show, uh, kicking off with a classic political song from the 1960s in a slightly different version you might not know, um, because we are talking about cycling and politics on the show this week. We are asking the question of whether cycling is inherently left-wing or right-wing, whether cyclists are more active politically than, than people who don't ride bikes, what are the connections between cycling and political activism? Um, and here to talk with me about that is Ruth Beale, who is an artist um, based in London who's just come back from a fantastic bicycle ride. Uh, welcome to The Bike Show, Ruth. Uh, so tell me about where you've been riding to. Uh, we cycled door to door from Hackney, my house in Hackney, to uh, a house in Liverpool via Bedfordshire, Coventry, and Stoke. For what purpose? It was an art project and also a research project. Uh, we ended up at the uh, a group called the Institute of the Art and Practice of Dissent at Home, who are actually a family who are really interested in the notion of. Uh, how your 
uh, art practice and your beliefs and activism integrate with your everyday life and that's what the project was about and so why bicycles uh, it was a a way to get to Liverpool on our own steam because uh, they're based in Liverpool steam. right they're based in Liverpool okay. and uh, so a lot of their project is a is a critique of the capital of culture and the notion of a a capitalist idea of culture and using cap using culture and regeneration and what that means and whether we should be encouraging culture tourism in the current climate uh, ecological climate <laughs> and were they cyclists uh, they weren't actually. I think we've converted them. <laughs> right. Okay. Because I mean, there's a great tradition of um, radical cycling and the radical history of cycling from, um, you know, well, from, from the very birth of the bicycle. Because the bicycle, I guess, gave people a means uh, to travel for whom a horse would have been too expensive, um, and it was a very it was a sort of democratic and uh, a kind of a tool for social mobility and particularly for women I think in the ni- late 19th century have yeah. you, you sort of traced that history through yeah it definitely played a part in women's emancipation but the, the, our ride was inspired very much by the Clarion Cycling Club who uh, were a socialist cycling club they started in 1894 I think and uh, they used to go out with the Clarion newspaper which was a socialist newspaper and to spread the word and really get out into the countryside. And there was a fellowship in what they did, but also a polemic. Because it's quite interesting because, the, I mean, Clarion Cycling Club, 1894, that is before the motor car was invented and, 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 and brought into use. Because nowadays, when you think of cycling and politics, you tend to think of cycling as a response to motor vehicles, um, freeways, motorways, um, and and kind of ecological destruction caused by the internal combustion engine. And cycling is kind of a counterculture to that. But actually, so the Clarion Cycling Club was before, it wasn't counter to anything. Uh, it was counter industry. And a lot of these clubs grew up in, sprung up in industrial areas where people worked in factories, working class people would get out of the those dirty cities. Uh, Robert Blatchford, who started the Clarion newspaper, was very passionate about that and wrote about the wrote vividly about the slums and was very critical of them. And so that was about people changing their lives. And although I suppose the bicycle was an invention that came from industry, it was. We were lucky when we were in Coventry. We were we stayed with the cycling curator uh, of the Coventry Transport Museum. Leslie and she very kindly took us on an early morning tour of the Transport Museum and we saw the bicycles there and the really interesting thing was with the way that the the bicycle manufacturers a lot of them went on to be car manufacturers but there was a lot more bicycle manufacturers but it's all linked in with the industry there and the car industry that developed there. So the bicycle being a forerunner in a way, totally, not rather yeah. than a than a, uh, the competitor. Totally. Yeah, I guess with the rubber industry as well, uh, making pneumatic tyres and then making car tyres. Well, if I'm going to put you in the box of claiming the uh, the, the bicycle in a way for the radical left, um, someone who would claim the bicycle perhaps for the radical right is a political blogger by the name of Guido Fawkes, who's been running one of um, Britain's most popular political blogs and gossip websites uh, for the last few years. I caught up with him. He's, he's a cyclist, not least because um, he was banned 
from driving for drink driving uh, for three years and so he's he's firmly uh, on on his bicycle uh, for necessity if if nothing else and i asked him whether he thought of left or right um when he thought about the bicycle i'd have associated it with the, the Viet Cong or mao or someone like that you know but the tories really have latched onto it and it is very symbolic isn't it that you know cycling around and also it emphasized in a kind of nice way youth as well and cameron is you know 20 years younger than the labor leader so what was the image problem that the conservatives had in a nutshell that, that, that riding by bicycle and redesigning the logo was intended to solve it was to move away from that Thatcherite torture liberty towards a more uh, healthy oak tree of England kind of feel, or a green, you know, vote blue, go green. But if the Tories were a car, there'd have been a Rover, which was a sort of not very good British car of the, well, basically got into trouble and went bankrupt a few years ago. That's where they were. Now they're a push bike. I'm not sure that's better or or not, but for whatever reasons they think it's a good idea, it's a good idea. Steve Hilton, who was the image maker, the Mandelson of um, the Tories, actually was a dedicated Green and a Green voter and a true believer in all that. It wasn't just positioning. And I think that was partly his influence. In terms of political ideology, the bicycle has often been claimed as a tool and an embodiment of social progress. H.G. Wells talked about bicycles abounding in utopia and cited bicycles as a powerful contributor to the emancipation of women in the late 19th century, or at least the start of that journey. And then you've got libertarians like P.J. O'Rourke bemoaning the fact that people who advocate for cycling are giving up a millennium of human progress towards technological refinement of tools which don't require us to expend effort to get around and that cyclists are essentially Luddites. If I remember my PJ Rook, if not my H.G. Wells, he said the Ferrari was the pinnacle of capitalist production and that no socialist economy could produce a Ferrari. And when you think about it, the Italian economy has been a mess for decades, yet they still produce the finest road vehicle, in his view, available. And there is something in that. I'm not even sure that the bike wasn't actually produced by capitalists rather than socialists. Uh, you always look at pictures of China in the old days, there were loads of uh, bikes. Now it's gone capitalist, there's more cars. It's kind of totemic of uh, social societies because they didn't have the wealth to support a car culture. The fact that they had to resort to bikes is symbolic of the failure of their uh, economic progress. However, now we're getting richer. You have £1,000 bikes made out of titanium or whatever, and it's becoming a sort of a symbol of your wealth to have these expensive, over-engineered bikes. It was a member of the Allende government in Chile... Jose Antonio Vieira Gallo, who said that socialism can only arrive by bicycle. It's a slightly cryptic saying, socialism can only arrive by bicycle. Is he talking there about a kind of homegrown, community-driven socialism rather than a sort of top-down Bolshevik type of socialism? 
that it's the bicycle as a egalitarian tool of the people that will allow socialist principles to come in in a way that a Politburo driving around Moscow in fast cars whilst the rest of the population is on the bus or on a bike. It's certainly a, a, a more human socialism if it's on the back of a bike rather than down the barrel of a gun, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think he probably was alluding to that. Whether people, when they get richer, want to ride around on bikes is the other question. You know, California is full of rich Americans riding around on bikes, but they also have an SUV. And they probably brought the bikes on the back of the SUV to the park. Well, that was Guido Fawkes talking about um, how David Cameron's Conservative Party in the UK has been using the bicycle uh, to reclaim uh, it for the right and perhaps to use the bicycle to give their conservative image a little bit of burnishing and and make it seem a little uh, more caring and, and green and inclusive. Well, hopefully on the line we have uh, the other half of this cycling duo, um, Karen Brenneman, um, who is also an artist. Karen, are you there? I am. Okay, yes. we can hear you. If you can speak up a little bit, then we'll okay. hear you even better. But I think okay. we can hear you pretty well. Um, so why don't we kind of take your route that you did, um, the two of you, um, kind of fr- leaving from London and, and what happened along the way, if, if you want to uh, kick off Ruth. Okay, well, we left from my house and we took a band of supporters with us some some other artist cyclists uh, to up to Hartford they came up to Hartford with us and it was really nice to take them because they're they're cyclist commuters like me but for them it was a chance to get out into the countryside so really in that spirit of the early clarion and then from from there really we we picked up with the members of different cycling clubs all along the way which Karen had got in touch with so I should let Karen yeah, talk Car- about Karen, so Karen you're a bit of a serious cyclist as well as being an artist as well right? Uh, yeah I suppose that's a relative term is serious but yeah I, I guess I, I was more of an advisor in the practical sense of getting from point A to point B um, as quickly and efficiently as possible so I'd gotten in touch with cycling clubs along the way because cyclists tend to know the the scope of the the route and how long it is, the mileage and how it relates to the terrain. And uh, the the first hosts were from the Clarion, who actually Ruth had gotten in touch with through her own research, and that's Ian and Jane. So uh, we met with them at at a a cafe, and then we went along to to Clophill, and that's where we stayed in the thatched roof uh, cottage of Ruth's aunt and uncle. And what do you what do you think about the Clarion Club? And what what are they up to now, a hundred years or more on? They're cycling. They're <laughs> but their how are they getting their politics into the cycling? I think that they're quite keen to to sort of operate as more of a cycling club. They're not actually as involved with their their history, but there is a bit of debate on that within the ranks of the the club administration. There's one very uh, staunchly historical advocate in the club and then he I think he tends to have a lot of um, conflict with some of the other members Ruth do you do you remember that discussion with Ian yes, I think actually he's formed a breakaway group I think true cycling and true left-wing spirit <laughs> the factionalism the, uh, the 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 people's committee of Judea uh, versus the Judean people's committee or whatever it was yeah <laughs> we had we did have very interesting discussions with Ian and Jane though about even the notion of being in associations and whether people are willing to do that, how prepared people are to sort of subscribe 
to something and how politicised people are and whether cycling is um, a political action for them or perhaps there's much more of a, a consumer culture about sport and leisure that's about um, ticking the boxes so you know I've done the the sportif I've climbed to base camp I've done the marathon tick 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 and uh, so I think they find it more difficult to find people who will engage continuously yeah I mean I think consumer culture has really taken cycling by the scruff of the neck and I, th- I mean uh, uh, Guido Fawkes alluded to that um, in his comments about you know uh, rich Californians I think this is rather unfair on the Californians but anyway he was uh, 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 talking about a stereotype of the rich Californians who drive their SUVs um, to where they want to go cycling but I really remember you know as a teenager having a bicycle and not and, and planning some quite big trips actually across the UK but then also in uh, 1992 to Romania a sort of thousand mile trip from one end to the other and having no thought about you know whether my wheels are the right ones or or you know it, it was just a bicycle it didn't have a puncture you know if it had a puncture you had to fix it if it had a chain you had to keep the chain on and keep it lubricated but that was about it there was none of this stuff you had to buy and do you have the right stuff or not or, or not and that's seems to me a corruption of the egalitarian spirit i, I think it the, the whole the sport and the, the activity itself has diverse, diversified so much they're talking about the californians who are probably going mountain biking so they'll take their full suspension mountain bikes their you know stump jumpers or whatever and get them out into the the hills but in order to access that sort of countryside and that sort of mountain biking you really you know often you do need sort of an all-terrain vehicle yeah but that. come on look look at the the you know the hipsters going around um mm. uh, london or, or or new york city on outrageously expensively equipped um and inappropriate really uh track bikes with um you know the chris king headsets yeah. and the phil woods hubs and and all this kind of stuff that would be used for you know competitive um track racing but they're just you know having it to look cool down at the uh down at the starbucks it's a style thing, isn't it? I think. Th- but why? Why is style associated with money, and spending money, rather than style being associated with an expression of an aesthetic? But I think there is that just as much. There, there is a cult of style that's not necessarily relative to how much you spent on a bike, but it is. It's knowledge. It's based in the awareness of the, the history of the style as it's developed from the sixties. You know, you get yes, the in. And all the different specialized sections of, of track riding, even within each branch, there's, there's levels of awareness in terms of how the technology has developed. So you get people who specialize in collecting Molteni parts from the, you know, Eddie Merckx days in the 60s and 70s, where, you know, they maybe didn't spend that much on it, but they've collected it and they know how the parts go together from what era. And they're willing to spend the time. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think, and also people spending an inordinate amount of money on special Japanese stamped uh, things that, that that's were acceptable to the Japanese race circuit but you know, what good is that to you in Shoreditch I don't know anyway let's move on from the hipsters who often get a good beating up on this show um you left Coventry well, heading from, north from Bedfordshire to Coventry we were accompanied by a wonderful man called Terry who's 70 who has been in the Bedfordshire Road Cycle Club for 50 years and he took us along a historic route that the club take to get to Warwick to do a time trial and um, that was that was really great to have his sort of anecdotes and 
stories about his cycling along the way. So Coventry was where you did the time trial? Coventry, we, I did my first time trial. First time world uh, time what, trial. what distance? 10 miles. 10 miles. Having done 80 miles that day. Okay, well, that's good. That's the warm up. <laughs> it was really it was crazy, sort of getting so immersed in this world. That, that seemed like a and that is that do. is a very cultish kind of thing you know that turning up at the village hall at at some god awful hour of the morning um to do to do this time trial i mean there's quite a subversive history to time trialing isn't there well it was illegal actually to race around the turn of the century so time trialing actually was a defiant move on the part of the racers to reorganize the structure of the racing so as to fit within some legal format because it was illegal to ride furiously. That was in the books, and it might still be actually in the books. So instead of starting at, as a bunch race, as a road race from one point where there's 20 or 50 uh, black-clad riders all riding furiously to get to the front through the streets of these different villages, instead of doing that, then they would just start off at minute increments, one after the other, and they couldn't be seen to be racing if they were riding individually. So they would all just ride over the same circuit, and whoever got the best time won the event. How did, and how did you get on in the uh, in the time trial? Do you want to know my time? <laughs> <laughs> Thirty minutes, just two seconds. All that's right, quite respectable. that's that's very respectable. After yeah, riding seventy-five miles, and then we got to our host place, and then cycled eight miles out to the, the start of the event. Then had the route quickly explained to us, and then doing the t- the, the event itself, doing the effort, and then cycling eight miles back, all on the, the same day. She, I thought she did very well. It's and amazing I th- to me becoming immersed in it all the codes and systems and rules within uh, road cycling that I had you know I had no idea about whether it's going out in the pack that I had the privilege to do with uh, Karen's club the Edinburgh Road Club uh, when we we did I did train a bit (laughs) Um, or or doing this time trial you know just somebody having somebody there to explain it all was quite a privilege yeah yeah even clipping into the pedals the first time presents its own, you know, set of distinct challenges to stay up. up oh, yeah, unclipped. yeah, fighting yeah. against gravity. Absolutely, yeah, and old sort of neuromuscular patterns, you have to retrain your, your body if you want to put your foot down. You have to unclip from the machine first because you're stuck in and you're fixed to it. So, you know, it'd be quite hilarious at traffic lights. <laughs> so the time trial under your belt, mm-hmm. you headed further we- uh, northwest. We, ha- we went to the Transport Museum in the morning, which was fantastic, and that filled in a few gaps for us about the history of cycling as well, and we learned a bit more about um, Edie Atkinson and um, Eileen Sheridan. Eileen Sheridan. Mm. Amazing women cyclists, uh, inspirational women. And uh, then we went up, carried on up to Stoke. Uh, we navigated a bit by ourselves and, and then met some members of the uh, remind me, Karen. Kids Grove Wheelers. Kids Grove Wheelers. Yeah. Interesting club because they had formed pre World War Two, and uh, during the war they had to disband. And then only just two years ago, uh, they they had a renaissance, so they they restarted their club two years ago with some of the the original members' sons had had uh, restarted the club. So we met up with a few of them, and um, that was. Barry and Pauline Wilkinson stayed over with them in Stoke-on-Trent, got a full history of the canal and the towpath, the, the Mercy and Trent Canal. Yeah, because we were really going through some of the industrial heart, England's industrial heartlands, and we got to know about the... Pits and pots. Pits and pots in Stoke. <laughs> <laughs> 
There was a lot of cycling clubs there. And uh, being with all these people, we were sort of at their whim as well, that they wanted to show us various things. And uh, this the oral history element became a huge part of the project. Uh, and all the all these people in these different clubs, the, the, the real fellowship, I mean, the the motto of the Clarion Cycle Club is fellowship is life. And we be, became slightly obsessed by this idea of all this, this real old-fashioned generosity. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you find a lot of generosity from cyclists on, on, on the road. I think that's an abiding uh, characteristic, particularly of the more old-school ones. Um, so we're running up to the hour, but, um, I mean, clearly the... the journey was a performance in a way or in, in the kind of Hamish Fulton style that you experienced a, a work of art whilst doing it but is there something else that's going to be drawn out for, for other people? Is there something that's going to live on from this, um, this journey? We are designing a new strip a new, new jerseys for the Clarion uh, so that's something that, we, that we'll be collaborating on and thinking about together and whether oh. we can weave in um, some sort of historical motif somehow. We'll see. That and the, the question of maybe it becomes an annual event and builds on itself so the fellowship sort of continues. Maybe we cycle to the City of Culture next year or cycle or, or get groups to cycle from their locations to the, to the city and we meet in the City of Culture, artists, cyclists, getting there however you can based on fellowship of strangers and the only common denominator being the spirit of the the two-wheeled travel. So. so I'm going to put it to you both. Is cycling, do you think, of the left or of the right or, or neither? Is it, is it a kind of politics and a kind of fellowship that transcends those kind of distinctions? In, we had a roundtable discussion in Liverpool when we arrived and uh, we, in the company of... Uh, we had an artist, filmmaker, former trade unionist, champion cyclist, various people, and, and we did put the, that question to them. And I think one thing that came up is that it is big enough for all these different things, but people felt that cycling perhaps isn't conformist, it's non-conformist, and perhaps that's more important than um, whether what class it belongs to or... or Okay, so uh, that would would allow um, Boris Johnson to be very much within that tradition, but perhaps not David Cameron... I'm not going to deny them the bicycle. <laughs> Nobody should be denied the bicycle. <laughs> now that is a fantastic. Um, that is a fantastic motto. Um, thanks very much. Sorry, Karen. No time for a last word for, for you. But thanks very much, and look forward to hearing Thank more you. about um, ab- about this. And we'll certainly link to it from from the website. So if anyone who's listening wants to follow it, you can find out more about it once you get something up online about it or offline even. So so thanks very much, and thanks, Ruth. Beal for coming on to the bike show thanks for having us um, well just time at the moment to uh, finish up with a couple of announcements uh, Rollerpalooza 11 the King Spin is sold, is sold out as far as riders are concerned that's uh, this Friday the 8th of August but it's a brilliant opportunity to go down and look at um, some roller racing in action they've got a kind of world class uh, star studded cast of riders from uh, professional cycling semi-professional cycling and obviously London Street messengers and and other uh, people riding down at the bloomsbury bowling lanes on friday evening 
Um, and I think you can get tickets online from Rollapalooza, um, and they're selling out fast, even for spectators. And then the following day, uh, the rather bizarre Tour de Play on the 9th of August in the afternoon, uh, join play expert and artist Grant Lambie on a cycle tour looking at playscapes as a form of outsider architecture. Now, actually, that possibly trumps Ruth and Karen for strangeness. The tour is going to cover local South London adventure playgrounds. Young and old alike are welcome. Uh, it's five miles, bring your own bike and it meets at the South London Gallery 65 Peckham Road SE5 for the next two weeks I'm going to be away or maybe even more three weeks um, cycling in the Pyrenees and um, beyond and you'll be in the hands of Alistair Humphreys telling the story of his cycle around the world until then thanks for listening to the show and chapeau hard traveling I thought you knowed I've been a having some hard traveling way down the road I've been a having some hard traveling hard rambling hard gambling I've been having some hard traveling Lord I've been riding them fast rattlers I thought you knowed I've been riding them flat wheelers way down the road I've been riding them dead enders blind passengers kicking up cinders I've been having some hard traveling Lord Well, I've been a-hittin' some hard rock mining, I thought you knowed. I've been leaning on a pressure drill way down the road. Hammer flying, air hose suckin', six foot of mud and a show been a-muckin', and I've been a-havin' some hard travelin', Lord. Well, I've been a-hittin' some hard harvestin', I thought you knowed. North Dakota to Kansas City, away down the road. Cutting out wheat and stacking out hay and trying to make about a dollar a day. And I've been having some hard traveling, Lord. I've been working at Pittsburgh Steel, I thought you knowed. I've been pouring red hot slag way down the road. I've been blasting, I've been firing, and I've been pouring red hot iron. And I've been having some hard traveling, Lord.